What's up, peeps? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy. Acton Academy Placer, Apogee Strong, and today also brought to you by DiscoverPraxis.com. If you have listened to The Essential 11 for any amount of time, uh, you'll know that I am a huge advocate of checking out Praxis for our young people. I think it is a better option than college for a good 90% of individuals for many, many reasons. Um, But it's a phenomenal team over there, a phenomenal program, and highly recommended. And actually, listeners of The Essential 11 are going to get a standing $1,000 scholarship and free book if you mention The Essential 11 Uh, If you are accepted into the program and you follow the link uh, that we're going to place in our show notes, you can also go to my Instagram at Matt Bodro and find the link there. So check that out, discoverpraxis.com slash essential11. Moving on to today's guest, we have the one and only Mr. Jason Kalipa. Jason is a 2008 CrossFit Games champ. He was the second champ in the history of CrossFit. Uh, but he's gone on to be the founder and CEO of NC Fit, and the man is dominating the globe uh, with his with his business and changing the world of fitness. Uh, brilliant entrepreneur, and he really poured into the young guys of Apogee Strong on this podcast. I think you're gonna love it, Mr. Jason Kalipa. Mr. Jason Kalipa, what is happening, sir? What's up, Matt? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to rock. Yes, I, uh, sir. I'm excited to talk to the team here and uh, dive in. And awesome, yeah, man. how's everything with you guys? It's what's awesome. what's new? Uh, how's the how the schools coming along in uh, in Texas? Everything everything rock and rolling. Everything going good. So I'm actually here in Northern California, dude. Not too far from you. So we're no, no, yeah, yeah. But, but I thought you guys partnered with Tim, right? So we did. Yeah, yeah. So he's dude. We're getting him up and running. The way we've got our both our school here and the way we're going to do uh, his school in Texas, dude, is is we're good. Like we're full on rocking and rolling. No, no masks, no distancing, no, no issues, just kind of rolling, man. And that's what we've been doing the whole time here, dude. And no problems. You know, no problems. Oh, man. It's been great. Yeah. And we're launching two more campuses that are going to do the exact same out here. You know, this. So where I am right now uh, is the, the campus in Roseville. And then uh, we're going to have Sacramento and Lincoln both launching this fall, too. Same, same, man. It's the best. I love it. It's the best, man. I love it. It's yeah, the it's best. different. It's, it's a modern day. It's a, it's a new way of looking at education. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it or whatever you want to talk about. I'm so excited cool, to talk man. about it. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool, dude. No, I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped to have you here, too. And and uh, I don't think I told you because we were on – you and I chatted a couple weeks ago, man. Um, I don't know if I remember if I told you when we were on the phone or not. But, you know, I cre- you you got me my first muscle-up. Did you know that? I did not know. Yeah, dude. I did not know I got you your first muscle. You up. Did, that is man. awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. So I it was, what, like a level one cert or something like that? Yep, exactly. And it might have been, dude, if I remember right, it may have been the first one that you ever coached as far as the L1. Um, cause you were early on into, I mean, you were, you were, I don't remember. I mean, I think you were hot off the games championship, you know, or, or something. I don't remember what year it was even, but yeah, man, you, uh, you definitely got me my first one. It was you and f- you were the one coaching me through it, and Freddie uh, was there too. Kamacha. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Freddie's Freddie's an OG. So, he is. Well, dude, yeah. Congratulations on that one. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, so yeah. cool, man. Muscle's a good thing to get. It was, man. It definitely was. So, um, man, I'm just excited for these young guys to be able to to hear from you. And so, before we even get into 
um, just kind of everything. And they're, they're going to have questions. I'd love to start with just kind of your origin story. You know, I sent them a whole bunch of stuff so that they could so they could dive in and see. But um, if you don't mind just sharing kind of that, the quick overview of your journey from, you know, CrossFit Games stud to, to stud entrepreneur to uh, rad human, rad dad, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so my background is um, I got, I, I've been working in the fitness space for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I, I, I got introduced to basically, I started working at the front desk of the health club when I was 15, then got into sales. So I, I really got introduced to the ideas of sales and business at a really young age. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that full time when I was in college uh, while, you know, just finishing my degree. Uh, a couple of years before I was about to finish college, I got introduced to CrossFit and the idea of having a coach and a community versus just your traditional conventional gym. Fell in love with that. Graduate in college, um, had a few different options, right? Go into the corporate world, do finance, do whatever. I chose to go open up our own business, which at the time I was 21 years old. It was, it was nerve wracking. I learned a lot about, about that. Um, so we opened up uh, what was previously called CrossFit Santa Clara in 2008. And here we are 2021. And um, so we've been in business, you know, 13 years. We've expanded globally. We have a digital footprint. We have licensed partners. Um, we have brick and mortar. We have, you know, we could talk about all that kind That's of stuff, so whatever right. you guys want to. But I think the big, the big note here is like in college, you're told you should be doing something like uh, maybe I would go into finance yep. and I chose to go against the grain. And, and I'm fortunate that my parents were supportive and people around me were supportive, but it wasn't easy at the time. Um, on a personal note, right? Uh, I met my wife when we were 15. Uh, we got married uh, shortly, getting out of college. So, That's basically, awesome. I had one girlfriend. Yeah, one one girlfriend, one job. Uh, we have two kids. Um, one of my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in 2016, which really changed the way I looked at mm. a lot of things in life. And so, um, yeah, just grinding it out, putting in. A, so I got my effort shirt on, just putting in. Yes, sir. You know, our, our rallying cry here at NC Fit is this idea of effort over everything. Yep. And, we're just trying to go out there and do the best we can. So, yeah, that's a little synopsis on me. We so can dive right. into the CrossFit Games side too or whatever else you want. Super cool, man. No, I love that. So first and foremost for me, man, how's how's your little girl doing right now? Oh, good. Yeah, so the way leukemia works, and this is something most people aren't aware of, and I, I hope they never become aware of it, yeah. is that leukemia, because it's a blood disease, yep. um, it's, it's it takes a while to cure. And so it took um, – two and a half, three years of actual treatment. Mm-hmm. And now she's been out of treatment three years. And so we have two more years and then she's considered cured. So she was diagnosed at four, she's now 10 uh, and uh, two more years and we're popping champagne because that's awesome. that means she's technically cured. So that's that's, that's awesome, good. man. That's rad, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and and talking about that, that support, right? I mean, we're talking, talking to these young people who are, these are some of the, you know, the raddest young men on the planet. We literally have young men on this on this call from all over the world and they've got support from home, which is a huge part. And you mentioned your parents supporting you too. And you chose to kind of go that unconventional route. What does that look like, especially over the course of this year, man, for you with your kids in school, like, what is it looking like? What, what has it been looking like for them? And what, what's kind of your scenario where you are? Yeah. So I have a 10 year old and a seven year old yep. and, um, Essentially for them, they, they went, they went virtual like zoom like yep, this, yep. and then they went back in person in October. Cause they go to a, they go to a private uh, Catholic school. And so we were able to kind of get away with, you know, having a little bit different rules and, yeah. and whatnot. So they've been back in school, but with my kids, you know, it's, it's, um, I try and instill entrepreneurship skills. And yeah. so 
During the summer, I've had them work at the front desk of the health club, which is great that we own the business. Um, so they work at the front desk. Love My it. daughter likes to bake, and so we're actually starting her own baking business where she's in a, on a weekly basis, put out what the recipe is or what the what, what she's cooking, yeah. and people can pre-order it. But I think what's what's important for my wife and I is to teach these lessons that we've learned. You know, back in the day, they never taught you how to use a credit card. They never taught you anything practical That's that right. then relates. And so when you get into the real world, it's like, man, I wish I would have learned this earlier. So That's those are the right, kind of man. things I teach the kids. That's right. Good for you, man. That's awesome. We talk about that all the time where we don't, you know, we don't actually dive into the practicality, which is exactly the schools that Tim and I are building. That's exactly what it is, man. It's around the practicality. I use jujitsu. I know you're into jujitsu too. And so, you know, I use this as kind of an example. I've got another TED talk coming up in October and, and I'm kind of basing a lot of it on, on this as well. You know, my, my young man, I've got, uh, three kids. I got 10 and seven, uh, and then, and five or 10 and eight and five. And so my young man is five and he wants to get into jujitsu. Right. And so we use the example of, well, school would say, all right, well, you're going to sit down you're going to listen to uh, a lecture about uh, jujitsu. And then you're going to maybe make a trifold board about all these guys that, you know, have done jujitsu. And, and then you're going to watch these videos and you're going to go memorize all the past champions, you know, at the Naga tournaments. And you're going to right and do all this. Whereas Acton Academy goes, cool, man, you want to do, let's go do jujitsu because that's how you're actually going to learn. Right. Let's go start that business right now because that's how you're going to learn let's go get to work right now because that's how you're actually going to learn right and we need more parents supporting that kind of thing man so good on you for that that's exactly it yeah i mean we could dive into this too but like i started a variety of companies before i opened our one that you know is what it is today yeah i started a t-shirt company when i was in college um i started i mean i i started another like uh, i started an additional uh business while we were in college uh, uh we used to Nintendo Wii's for a time were at a really high demand. So yeah. my wife and I would go wait in line. We go get them and then go sell them on, go flip on them. the internet for, for more profitability. Yeah, we'd flip them. And so I've done a few different entrepreneur type things and uh, it kind of takes, it, the, the lessons learned there are well worth the investment. Yeah. You know, I spent probably about $10,000 uh, in this t-shirt company and it was probably worth to me a million in terms of the what I learned through that curve. experience. So, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Do, do you think that's a DNA? So we got a mutual friend too, and, Gary, and I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering this wrong, then then tell me, but I'm pretty sure I was listening to Gary uh, Vaynerchuk's, yeah. one of his podcasts or something, and I feel like you were at like one of the 3Ds or, or something like that. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I went out to New York and I, I did some stuff with Gary. Yeah. Super cool, man. Super cool. So do you think, you know, he, he kind of goes back to that DNA sort of thing on the entrepreneur. Do you feel like that was something that you always kind of had? Did you always kind of have that that vibe? Um, yeah, I'd say a little. Yeah. I'd say yes. Um, and then doing sales really taught me a lot. So yeah, when I was totally. in, so I was working the front desk in high school and then I got out of high school and I, and I get ready for going to college. And I remember I'm sitting there working the front desk and I see a sales slip come from one of the salesmen and it had his commission on it. And it was like, I don't know, hundred bucks. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? You know, I'm getting paid 15 bucks an hour over here. This guy just made a hundred. I want to do that. Yep. And so I started working sales. And what I learned was the more effort you put in, the more profitability, the more revenue you'd make. And I liked that concept of I was in control of my own destiny. That's right. The harder I wanted to work, the more I'll get from it. And that directly aligned with this idea of entrepreneurship. Yep. So when I was getting ready to graduate from college, I'm like, well, dude, what do I want to do? So I had offers to go make, you know, 50, 60,000 a year in finance or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It could be a little bit different than that. And I chose, I'm like, hey, I want to be in control. And, and that takes a lot of guts and it's not for everybody because, you know, it, not everybody is designed to be an entrepreneur. Yep. 
there could be great people who do other things. But for me, I want to be in control of, of my destiny. And that's why I'm happy I started a company. That's right, man. Yeah, it's that hero's journey that we talk about. You get to you get to control that. There's mentors along the way, but it's you controlling that. You controlling that outcome, whether it's an entrepreneur thing or whether it's an entrepreneur or whatever that looks like, but you get to have control over that, that whole journey. Yeah, that's huge. Um, Gary actually sent us, so when we launched, I launched this campus five years ago. Um, in our first year, we were just K through eight. We added high school that second year. And when we added high school, Gary actually sent us a whole bunch of his, uh, the uh, O3s, right? Like his shoes. And yeah. uh, he, so he sent, he sent one for each one of the, the high K schoolers. Swiss? The K-Swiss, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he sent us the K-Swiss. He sent us a pair for every high schooler that we had. And um, we launched, we actually started out that year with a flip challenge of like, all right, man, you keep the shoes. Like those shoes are a gift, like have at it. Or you can, you can try to flip that and see where you go and, and see how that goes, you know, to, to the end of the year kind of deal. So we started them off with, with that kind of challenge. And some of these young guys in Alpha Squad right now are involved in a flip challenge too. Have you ever seen that, um, that TED Talk, that guy that went from a paperclip to a house in, a, in like 14 months? No, I haven't, but now I'm interested. You got to check up. it out, dude. Yeah, so he just basically started, it was start out with a paperclip and he flipped it for something else, you know, mod, just he traded it, um, ended up trading it for something. So with over the course of 14 months, no no cash ever exchanged. He went from a paperclip to a house. It's legit. You'll have to check it out, man. So the ingenuity and, and um, just the practicality and, and so much that plays into entrepreneurship, man, that in, in that story alone is rad. And so we got some of these guys taking on that paperclip challenge this month. That's their challenge for the month, too. So uh, it's yeah, good I stuff, dude. That. Yeah, All right, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, you'll have to check that out, man. It's super cool. Yeah, it's awesome. How did how did this past year with with the gyms? Was there any kind of impact for you? You know, any kind oh, of yeah. pivoting for you guys? Like how? I mean, what did you guys have to do pivoting for that? We've I talked to Ian Smith all the time. We've probably seen his stuff all over with the battles he's had out there in New Jersey, and he jumped on and talked to these guys too. So, um, I mean, that's been nuts. What that look like for you? Yeah. So we own. Um, so right now we have about twenty of our own locations. Uh, we have a hundred licensed partners. We have a thousand gyms that use our program. So we have quite a, a depth of, yep. of people we receive feedback from is yep. I guess the reason why I bring that up for our own gyms. Um, most of them, some of them are corporate wellness locations that we operate for companies like Lucas films and Western digital. Got it. Those ones didn't get hit as hard. We pivoted from brick and mortar to digital, but the, but the revenue continued to come on because of our contracts we have with them. But our, our traditional brick and mortar, like mm -hmm. the ones that you would go to here in the Bay Area, yep. I mean, they took a huge hit. I mean, we have one location. I'll just give you an example. It's been shut down. It is still shut down. So it's been shut down for 14 months. Wow. And that location was our highest earner. And, you know, it's tough, you know, to watch your revenue drop by seven figures yeah. is, 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 is big. But I think you could look at the silver lining on it and say, hey, well, now you got to be this wartime CEO. Yep. What are you going to do about it? Yep. And how are you going to pivot? And then what are you going to learn from it? And so from us, we shifted from more of a mindset of brick and mortar. where We already had a digital footprint. Mm -hmm. We're doubling down on digital. And I think in the long run, it, it I think our team is more bought in. Yeah. I think our vision is very clear. I think COVID 
from a business perspective, has actually been good for us, good. even though we lost seven figures in revenue. Yeah, good. But it's because of your mentality as a leader, right? Of looking at it going, okay, cool. We don't have any control over this. So what can we control and how do we pivot? And like you said, that wartime CEO, right? It's the, the difference between being a peacetime, uh, who said that to me? Patrick Bed David, yeah. right? And he said, this is the difference between being a, a, a peacetime you know, general and a wartime general. It's a big difference and that takes a different set of, you know. And, and the earned confidence you get through this last year, I yes, think sir. is incredible, especially even for any of these students or, or for anybody, yes, right? Um, the fact that you have something that's so, uh, challenging come up and just kind of punch you in the face yep. and for you to overcome it in whatever way that is maybe some of these guys started their own business during covid well it's like dude if you could do it during covid if you could do it when it's this challenging if you could do it with all these social challenges going on mm -hmm. you could do it anytime that's right and that's a really cool lesson to learn is that hey if your business could be successful when you're getting kicked in the nuts every day uh you know with all these different things well, now that's earned confidence that I could have moving forward for the rest of my life. And that's right. You know, there's something I, I like to refer to this idea of like perceived versus earned confidence. And I could perceive, I could tell myself all I want that I'm going to be successful in something. Yeah. But unless I back that up with this earned confidence of hard work, consistent training, et cetera, it's just going to fall in depth ears. It's like, it's like one of us going into the ring with Floyd Mayweather. You that's know, you right. can tell ourselves all we want that we could knock him out. But chances are, you know, he has the confidence that's been earned over decades that he's going to probably knock you out. <laughs> that's that's exactly right, man. That perceived versus earned is is a huge deal. And that's why we tell these guys, you know, everything we're doing in this program, everything that Tim and I put put together is, and, you know, there's a couple of special forces dudes that jumped on there and helped, you know, design the, the workouts that these guys are going through. But we just, we designed a roadmap and we're going, look, man, you're going to, you're going to, at the, at the end of this 12 months, that 12 months is going to be over and you're either going to look back and go, cool. I was a part of that. And you can have some perceived confidence because you were just part of the group and you got to jump on the calls, or you're going to have that earned confidence where you go. And I put my all into every project, every challenge, every single month. And it quite literally changed my life. I mean, you get, you get the choice and it all comes down to that effort, man. That's exactly it. Yeah. I love that dude. Um, what would you, would you go back to you as, you know, so we have young guys on here as young as I think 11 and 12 up to in their early 20s. Would you go back to yourself at 11, 12, 13 and, and change anything? Would you go back and tell yourself, hey, dude, get ahead of this curve or don't get caught in that trap? Is there anything that stands out to you or is like, oh, this this one little thing kind of irks me. I wish I could go back and switch that up. Yeah, I mean, I think these guys here right now are already doing what I wish I would have been yeah. doing at an yep. earlier age being more innovative in my thought process yeah. and recognizing that I need to take control of my own destiny. Mm -hmm. No one's going to be there. Like, you know, if you live by this idea of no one owes you anything, like no one owes you anything, period. Yep. And if you can live by this concept of no one's going to be there except for, and, and this is an extreme case, right? But you have to take ownership in your own life and what you're doing. And I think what's challenging with that is that throughout my career or like throughout my high school, elementary school, whatever, there was always this roadmap that seemed to push me along always, mm -hmm. right? From first grade to eighth grade, there's just like this platform. Then from eighth grade, you get into high school. And at that point, their job is to take you from freshman to sophomore to junior to get you to graduate to eventually go to college. Right. But there's always like this, like this wave of force that's helping you along the journey. So you could be a crappy student. You could be mediocre like I was. And someone is going to help you get past it because their only initiative, their only goal is to pass you to the next grade, let's yeah. just say. And then all of a sudden you graduate from high school 
And you realize that when you get to college, there's no one that's there to, to, to move that wave with you. And then when you graduate from college, there's really no one there. Yeah. Right. And this concept that in school you get A, B, C, D, whatever, yep. but in life there is none of that. And I think it's really interesting because you, in school you can get by with mediocre effort. But then as soon as you graduate, you realize that mediocre effort doesn't get you much in life. And if it does, you're not reaching your potential. I wish I had learned at an earlier age that no one's going to come and save me. That is up to me. And that if I want something, I need to put in the work now. Because for too long, I just rode the wave and allowed others to kind of get me through things. Yeah, that's huge, man. That's a big deal. And that's, again, a big part of the schools that we're building is exactly that. We want real world scenarios where they've got they've got some high stakes there and they have the opportunity to fail and they're going to fail, you know, somewhat publicly if they do, but high stakes for them at 10 high stakes for them at 11 or 12. It's not high stakes. Like you're going to lose a house. You're going to lose a, you know, your, your marriage is going to get destroyed. Your business is going to fail. It's not any of that stuff. Right. Like it's learn yeah. that lesson now. Learn it now. Totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. So that you don't, you don't. Recreate and I wish paper. I learned it. I mean, you know, I started our company at 21 Yeah. and and so I've been in the trenches for what, 13 years. Yeah. But imagine if I had started a company at 16 yep. like or 18, yep. I'd be so much further. Like, because every year it's like, a, and I know you probably relate to this. When I was in my teens, I thought I knew everything. Oh man. Right. I no thought doubt. I was a smart ass no and whatever. Then all of a sudden you get to your late twenties. You're like, dude, I didn't really know much. I'm an idiot. Now all of a sudden <laughs> I'm in my mid thirties. I'm like, I'm just realizing that with life, you learn a lot of lessons, but imagine yeah. if we can get a jump start on business yes. like these guys are. So yes, that's exactly anyway. it, man. That is definitely, that is definitely the trajectory. I think, especially for a young man. Cause I remember going through, you know, being 16, 17 and my parents tell me stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, like you guys know nothing. Yeah. Like I've got right. it figured out, man. I know exactly. And then like you said, you get into the twenties and you're like, man, maybe I'm not quite as smart as I thought I was and then get into the thirties. And now I'm just, you know, getting into my forties and I'm like, dude, I'm actually an idiot. Like I'm a moron. I, I know <laughs> there's like two or three things that I know a lot about and everything else. I am an absolute moron. And, but it's such a, it's much more of a freeing place to be because then you start to realize that great questions are infinitely better than all the answers. You know, it's, it's, you get into that area and that's where you can start to develop wisdom, but you got to get out of your head first and that's it. These guys are getting a jump start on that, man. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, yep. so good, man. So good. Um, I want to get these guys because these guys will end up having some fantastic questions. Um, so I want to let them jump in and start throwing them. So what you guys are going to do, man, you guys put them up in the, uh, go ahead and put them up in the chat and I'll call on you guys one by one. And just so you know, Jay, these guys are, um, we've got guys on here from Senegal. We got guys here that are in Dubai, guys here from India, as well as guys right here in, you know, California with us. We got guys all over the U S so, um, we got a really cool crew, man. So, um, these guys will jump in with some, some rad, uh, some rad questions. Hansel, dude, you are up, sir. Um, hi, uh, what was your greatest success? Hmm. Oh, that's a, I mean, like in, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough question. If you mean in business, I mean, in personal life, I mean, I'm going to say, Hey, you know, marrying someone I really actually care about and having two kids. That's, um, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. And you learn a a lot. Uh, but I would say, I would say finding someone that's like a, like a a life partner that I actually really have gotten along with and meeting them at 14, 15 years old Mm. and being married now for, I mean, we're, 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 we've been married for 12 years. So, that's a big accomplishment That's in awesome. itself. Um, but in, in business, um, you know, I, I think, um, 
we signed this big deal. Um, so I, I've won the CrossFit Games from a physical perspective. That's probably a, a good accomplishment. Um, from a personal perspective with the family, that's that's where it's at. But from a business perspective, I think it was knowing what doors. So doors open up in business. So you start the business and there's doors that open. And in the beginning, you'll you'll oh you'll go through any door you want, mm -hmm. right? You'll just see a door. Oh shit, I'm going through that, mm -hmm. right? And then as you get more mature, you realize that some doors you need to close. So you get, open up other doors that are going to be much bigger opportunities. You can't say yes to everything. Yep. But I think the biggest thing that we did as a business is this idea of corporate wellness and innovation. This was about six years ago, seven years ago. We were opening up more brick and mortars and we signed this deal with Western Digital. And Western Digital is a, they own SanDisk, they own, they make a hard drives, disk drives, et cetera, and um, storage devices. And we opened uh, 15 locations with them in a year, all over the world, Singapore, Thailand, China, Malaysia, you name it. And for years, I got to um, compete professionally in CrossFit, have the family, and then travel the world opening those, these locations. And that corporate wellness door that we opened was a big accomplishment for the company because it allowed us to self-fund everything else we've done. And so I'd go back to that as seeing an opportunity, earning it, going and getting it, and then now self-funding everything else because of it. That's awesome. That's very cool. And the branding, obviously the branding opportunity on that too um, was was unbelievable but that that concept right there of the self-funding too i think is i think is huge i think that's a i think that's a lesson to learn early um because there's a lot of guys you know you see the you see the shark tanks and you see and, all, and those guys are great and um you know but you have these young guys that think running a business is the same as raising capital because we talk a lot about that now just culturally speaking when it, i don't i don't remember that being the case you know 10 15 20 years ago that we talked about it that much but raising capital is not the same as running a business and running it profitably uh, and being able to boost. Yeah, there's a lot of things to think about with raising money. Yep. You know, I mean, something I'll tell, share with all of you yep. is that no one ever gives you money out of the kindness of their heart. And if they do, then just be prepared. If it's family and friends, just, it could get awkward. No doubt. But for the most part, no one ever gives anything without having some expectation in return. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important because they might in the beginning say, Oh, dude, here's 10 G's. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Yeah. But after a while it becomes a big deal. And then all of a sudden they start asserting themselves. And so you want to be careful, um, to only take money from people if you really, really need it, yep. or if it gives you some competitive advantage that you couldn't do on your own. Yep. That's exactly right. Otherwise you are, uh, you're, you're linked. You are linked in that regard. Um, before I, and Antonio, I see your hand up, so I'm going to call on you next, but before we do, so you and your wife met at fit, where did you guys go to school? Did you, you were in the Bay, right? Place called Archbishop Mitty. Oh yeah. Okay. I know that. I know yeah. that. Yeah. So I grew up in Vacaville. So, I mean, I'm California, I'm California native too, man. So I'm, I'm very familiar with everywhere that you're at. So yeah, I know Archbishop. Dude. All right. Got it. Yeah. That's yeah, no, cool. We man. both went to, so we, we both went to Midi. Yep. I met her uh, freshman year. We started dating and then um, we both went to San Clay university, but because I was a little bit of a, you know, kind of not a great student in high school, kind of, yep. you know, uh, I went to West Valley for two years, and then we yeah. and then I, we both ended up graduating from Santa Clara, though. That's awesome, dude. That's really cool. I love I love hearing that. Uh, all right, Antonio, you are up, sir. Okay, so my question is a two parter. Um, so, since you've been doing CrossFit for long, for as long as you have, have you hit the plateau of working out for so long? And if so, how do you get up in the morning and mm -hmm. keep pushing yourself to do harder work and keep going? Love it. Uh, 
I mean, Antonio, that's a good question. So in regards to hitting a plateau, um, look, I started competing professionally in 2008 and I competed professionally in the sport of CrossFit for a decade. So over 10 years, I traveled the world, met with the best of the best, and I got really good at a lot of things. So Olympic weightlifting, gymnast, you name it, I had a, a skill set across them that, that then came back for my sport, right? Um, now, I stopped competing in 2016 because my daughter got sick. And I would say that from a plateau perspective, when I was really training, I didn't plateau. But now I have, I'm not in as good a shape today as I was in 2015, 16, but my priorities have also shifted. Mm. And so I would say it's a, it's a combination of things. If you are plateauing, you need your body to continue to adapt and evolve. And so you want to look for opportunities to do so, meaning what type of program are you on? How are you stimulating your body? What effort are you putting into your workouts? It's going to make a huge difference. But the biggest thing, Antonio, is like, why do you want to do it in the first place? So for me, for a long time, I was trying to be the best in the world at this sport. But once I finished that, I didn't have a strong, my strong why is different now. My why now is to be able to be in a good enough shape that I can go do anything I want with my kids. If they want to go climb a mountain, no problem. They want to go do something, cool. Fitness should never inhibit the things that I want to do. That's my why now. So because of that, I still train hard, but not with the same like twitch that I used to. And so it's just a different um, level, but I train every day and I train hard, but not to the level that I'm trying to be the best in the world at exercise. I also incorporate a lot of jujitsu and that's something that's continuously switching it up for my body. So once you find maybe a plateau in one area and maybe you're getting a little bit bored is a better way of looking at it. You should find something that keeps you inspired because I'm trying to be fit for the rest of my life, not just for a week or two. So I'd say, figure out why you want to do it in the first place and then look for things that actually get you excited. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. And Tony, you said you had a second part on that. That was the whole thing. That was the whole thing. That was parts one and two. Okay. Just wanted to make sure, sir. Yeah. And, very cool. And Antonio, and Antonio something else to think about, man, is yes. Surrounding yourself with like-minded people, mm. you know? So if you really want to put in the work, if you really want to grind it out, um, like I'll go in my garage this morning, I'll, I'll grind it out. But if I'm at the gym, which I'm going in a couple hours, I grind it out 10% harder because I'm surrounded by people and I'm feeding off their energy. Yeah. So if you do feel like for yourself from a training perspective or anything, whether it's business, whatever, you find yourself kind of being a little bit more sluggish, identifying places where you can surround yourself with others mm -hmm. is a really good way to kind of elevate um, all of you. Just yeah. something to think about. Yeah. Like what we're doing right now, actually. Yep. Yep. You're hundred percent right. Yeah, no, that's great, man. And and if you work out, if you ever get a chance to work out with Tim, that 10% becomes like 300% because you're committed to not dying uh, first because somebody's going to before that workout is over. Uh, and that's usually the way. Yeah. I got to message him. I, I want to go meet up with him and do some jujitsu. Um, yeah. Which will be pretty aggressive. It would be, it'll be pretty aggressive. Yeah. He's got a bunch of, a bunch of killers out there, man. Yeah. Um, I'm heading back out there in a few I think like three weeks, four weeks, um, should be painful. Hansel, go for it, sir. Um, what was your biggest mistake? That's a broad question. That's a tough um, one, Hansel. In life, in business, in competing, what, which one, which, which vertical? 
or all of them? <laughs> um, probably in all of them. Oh, I don't know, man. That's tough. That's a tough one. You want to why? You, that's a tough question because if you look at the world, like each mistake kind of fall pushes you forward. Um, sometimes they don't seem as bad as in the moment. In the moment, you could be like, "Oh shit, that was a huge mm -hmm. mistake." Yep. But in hindsight, you realize, man, that that created this destiny for me. Um, like, okay, I'll give you an example of a mistake that I made that's that still has haunted me. Um, but it but it but it helped me. I was competing in the CrossFit Games. These are the World Championships for what they call the fittest on earth in two thousand and. I don't know, 2012, 2013. And I was going into the final, final, final event. And so there was like 20 events over a week and I was just toast. I mean, I was, I was toast, man. And so this final day, you're in the middle of the tennis stadium. Uh, there's probably 20,000, 30,000 people there. And we went three events back to back to back to finish the overall week out. So at this point, you're like 20 events deep. You have three more events. They're each like five minutes long. They're like, bah, 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 bah rest for a little bit, blah, 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 blah. And then the final event was this thing called Fran, where it's like pull-ups and thrusters. It's really not fun. And, and so I show up there and I was in fourth place going into the final three events. After the first event, the second event, I closed the gap between fourth, fourth and third. And I wanted to get on the podium, that was the goal. And so on the final, final event, I knew that I had to beat this other guy, right? His name was Kyle. And so I knew that if I beat him, I would take a podium spot. If I didn't beat him, I wouldn't take a podium spot. So we go into the final, final event. We're like 20 events deep at this point. I'm tired. It's the end of the weekend, whatever. And so I get about halfway through this event and I realized he was going to beat me. And which he did by, by a pretty decent margin. And so I slowed down a lot. I just said, oh, well, if I can't beat him, I'm just going to slow it down, finish this out. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And so I finished the event. But after I finished the event, I got passed up by another guy. Mm. And so I finished the event and I thought I was going to take fourth overall. And it turns out because I slowed down so much, I got passed up by either one or two people. And they ultimately took over me on the leaderboard, the overall leaderboard. Mm. And I regretted that a lot because I knew I could have finished that event faster, mm. but I chose to half-ass it because I thought that I wasn't going to get on the podium. But by half-assing it, I actually gave up more spots, and I had to live with looking at that leaderboard for the rest of my life, seeing fifth place when I thought I should have been in fourth. Mm. And so that's an example of how that catapulted me to for, forever. From that moment on, I would never, ever leave an event without selling my soul. It didn't matter if it gave me another placing or not, because I never wanted to have that feeling in my gut, like I had more in the tank, but my results didn't depict my actual performance. So that's an example. That's a great example. Maybe not the no, Just I think a it's a, I think it's a great example though because it talks about regret, you know. I mean, and I think that's it. I think especially for especially for men, I think this is something that is inherent within us. Like you, that, that is that is one ghost I don't ever want to face, man. Is regret on in any on anything, especially if something that is of importance when it comes to family, when it comes to business, when it comes to trying to help other people and be a good human being and be a good man who is good at doing manly things right and i don't mean manly in the macho term i mean that set of values that a good man has right i don't want to look back and have any kind of regret and i think that's um i think that's a, a fantastic example man um yeah i mean that is life lesson and fran sucks 
Fran sucks. Uh, Fran sucks. <laughs> Fran sucks. I dude, I remember when three, so like three minutes for a long time, three minutes was kind of the, that was like the pinnacle, right? I wanted to get everybody underneath, you know, if you can get underneath yeah. three minutes, that was it. And I told myself the, the day I got underneath three minutes, I would never do it again. And I held true to that. I got a 253 and I never did it again. Um, years years ago and i was like dude i'm done that's it all set i'm, I'm, I'm gonna reti- i'm gonna retire that one yeah that one's brutal all right fenley steel this was brian callen's favorite name last week fenley steel you are up sir that's a good one it is a good one what was the mentally hardest thing that you ever went through oh, that's a good one too you guys are asking these very broad questions. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like it. Um, so, uh, and just to answer the Kaleo, Kaleo, I hope I'm pronouncing that yep. effective right. Um, is that even a mistake that you'll forever work harder for that? Um, yeah, that's the point I'm trying to make is that, that you know, at the moment, mm-hmm. it felt like a, a detrimental mistake. It felt like my gut was just like, you know, whatever. But in hindsight, maybe it inspired me to perform better on future events. And who'd have, who'd have known what would have happened? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so who knows? Uh, but then there's times you make mistakes in life that you know you can't you can't undo, right? And those are mainly with like with family and stuff like that. You got to be really careful. But in that particular case, in a in a sport perspective, I think it helped me launch. Mm-hmm. Now, in regards to your question, Fenley, um, uh, the toughest thing you said the toughest thing I had to go through, right? Yeah. So. I'll pivot that into two areas. Uh, well, toughest thing is um, your child getting diagnosed with cancer. So, um, you know, prior to that, I had been in a lot of really tough situations um, in the CrossFit Games. I've been in some really weird spots. Like, dude, I did this thing at Camp Pendleton, which is in Southern California. It was a triathlon, and we were in the middle of a 10-mile hill run that was just like straight up and straight down. And that was a moment of like, I, I wanted to give in, I wanted to give up, but push through and I've been in some really uncomfortable physical positions. Like I've done uh, rucking events all night long, stuff, stuff like mm-hmm. that really suck. But they, they, they are trumps um, by when your child is sick and you receive information that just makes you feel like you're gonna throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been in a few of those situations where it, the physical situations helped me overcome the challenges in real life, which was why I'm forever grateful to physical activity, because you learn how to comprehend, you learn how to have this mental toughness that then carries over into other areas. But um, yeah, I mean, when you find out, for example, I know you guys are all pretty young, you probably don't have kids, but when you find out that your kid is um, diagnosed with cancer, I mean, you're, you're, you just feel like your legs are going to crumble underneath you. Mm. And then when you watch them go in and be put to sleep for the first time and get a surgery, you just feel like literally someone's putting up against the wall and just kicking you in the nuts over and over again. It is, it is just terrible. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a positive yep. thing to say about those experiences. <laughs> yeah, man. No, there's no, and there's no way, you know, that's one of those things that you guys, there's no way to fully understand that until you're in it. You know, I mean, there is just no way you can fully, you can guess what it feels like to get punched in the face and then you get punched in the face. Right. And then you go, oh, okay, well that's what it actually feels like. And it's the same thing with having kids. There's no way to like, I can, you can understand it from an intellectual standpoint. There's no way to actually feel what it's like to have kids in the first place. And then to have them, you know, going through something like that, it's just, it's impossible. Like I can, I posted something last night. I mean, I can physically miss 
my children when they're ne- like they're next to me or they're in the next room and I can still miss them. Like that's a weird thing that there's no way to fully grasp that until you have them. So yeah, I can't even can't even imagine, man. Can't even imagine. Um Rhett, you just sent me a private one because I know you got to jump off and because uh, Rhett's there in the East Bay and he's in school um, intermittently. Rhett, are you still able to, to jump in real fast? Oh, uh, yes, sir. I'm currently on the way to school, actually. Great. So I had a question for you. Um, I don't know if someone asked this already or not because I jumped on a couple minutes late, but what was the biggest challenge you faced when developing your businesses like NC Fit and getting those launched out into the world? What was mm-hmm. the biggest challenge you faced? Yeah, I'd say, you know, kind of in the beginning when you launch a business, you think you know everything about everything. And, mm-hmm. and this is probably because I was younger, probably like some of you guys, you think you know a lot about a lot. And then you realize when you get into business, you don't really know as much about everything as you think you know. And so you need to hone in mm-hmm. and figure out what am I uniquely talented at? Yeah. What am I uniquely good at? If in, And so think about when you're starting a business, like a team getting ready for the Super Bowl, okay? You're you want to have the best players in the best position so that the overall team can win. And so when you're getting into the business, it's like the sport of business and it's this sport. So you need to say, okay, well, I'm uniquely good at being a quarterback. So my job should be to throw the ball. My job should not be to be a blocker and this and that. And so I need to have to be humble enough to delegate out. And so one of my biggest learning lessons starting the company was that I did too much for too often or too, too long, when what I should have done is taken a step back, delegated, given up a little bit of control, let them run with it so that I could spend 100% of my focus on what I'm uniquely good at mm-hmm. to drive the business forward instead of being 70% across different areas. That's so huge. Yeah. That my recommendation would be that for sure. Hey, you know, um, you know, Rhett, what are you uniquely good at, mm-hmm. for example? Well, you say, hey man, I'm charismatic, I'm good at marketing, I'm good at sales. Well, then you should be in that lane and then you should identify other people to support you in the finance lane, the whatever lane. That's just an example, obviously. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that's exactly, are you familiar? um, I'm sure you're from Naval Ravikant. Have you ever read anything by him at all? Naval. Naval, N-A-V-A-L. What's the name of it? So, uh, so Mm. Naval, okay. So you would, I think you would, I think you would dig it. Um, His episode with, he was on Rogan's podcast once, and I think that's where I first got introduced to him. Um, he's done a whole lot of things, but I mean, that was probably, it's one of the only, I think it might be the only podcast I've ever saved to my phone. It's the best episode of of any, I mean, conversation that, that I've heard, man. And he is just a brilliant human being, Naval. but he's Naval Ravikant. Yeah, N-A-V-A-L. Um, and uh, just a brilliant, anything I've seen from him now, I mean, he's just this brilliant human being, but he talks uh, a lot about kind of that unique that unique ability and, and really finding where you are unique uh, and where you are extremely passionate, right? So collecting all of these experiences and as you are collecting these experiences, you're looking for the patterns of where do I continue to shine? Where do I continue to do well? Even though these experiences might be somewhat unrelated, what did I shine in within each one of these? And like, what is the link between where I you know, was shining? Like what, what was that common thread? And where was I excited? And then how can I bring all of that together to have this unique value prop for the world that nobody else, that nobody else has, right? You know, and it's it's that whole concept. And and you don't get that unless you're collecting those experiences and and then paying attention to, uh, to how you perform in those. So yeah, I think that unique value prop is huge. Yeah, it's really good. 
Parker. Welcome, Parker. Dude, this is uh, one of Delta squads here, one of our new members here. So you guys will meet Parker later. So my question is, so first off, Rhett stole my first question. That's all right. But my second question was, um, what? Why would a company like Western Digital want to hire someone to put a bunch of like gym locations? Because they make hard drives. Mm. Parker with the question. Yeah. I like it. Makes total sense. So, Parker, here's a good uh, business business case. Okay, so good. I'm glad you know about them. I'm glad you know what they're doing. Um, so a business, it's funny. You can make hard drives. We could own gyms someone else can be a smoothie store, okay? But all businesses have the same problems for the most part. Mm-hmm. And one of those is people. Yep. People is, are very hard to get to, 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 to work together. It's very difficult. And you have to have the right people in the right places and they need to learn how to communicate effectively. Well, what fitness does better than anything else on the planet, in my opinion, is it brings people together through shared suffering and through different cohorts, different groups, and it makes productivity skyrocket. Mm. Mm. So for us at Western Digital in particular, we started bringing to them group style training where you had people from finance, accounting, HR, maybe an engineer, and they all are sweating together. And what that did is our productivity skyrocketed because now instead of finance sending over an agreement to legal and legal taking three weeks to get it back to them, they're in a class, they're like, hey man, I'm going to send you over this doc. Can you go ahead and just, and all of a sudden, boom, it's because Western digital wanted to enhance their members fitness, of course, because they they care about the employee health, but more importantly, they wanted to increase productivity across the organization because they've found that when you create a sense of community and culture, you have better employee retention and you have better employee performance. So that's kind of what I thought, but I was like, at the same time, I was like, I just went and bought a thumb drive so that I could load the OS onto my computer, and that totally has to do with working out. That's what I. That's the reason I thought. But I was like, maybe they want to make their. Maybe they want to see if their hard drives are sweat resistant. I don't know. Yeah, sweat resistant. Yeah, I mean, you know, but Western Digital have has you know a hundred thousand employees or whatnot, and I've been to all their manufacturing plants all over the world, and um, you know these people, although there might be some type of robotic component to it there's still a lot of people behind the process. So we got to make sure they're happy. That's right. That's right. Great question, man. I'm glad you brought that up too. So, I mean, you guys will notice it's not an accident, right? And we talk about this in the program all the time. This is nothing that we have laid out as an accident. What Tim and I put together is, is very, very intentional. And what is that first, that first project, that first challenge, your first month, you guys, what are you guys focusing on? You're focusing on those interpersonal relationships. You're focusing on the yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, opening doors, shaking hands, right? Getting back to some of those classic things of connecting with other human beings. And, and Jason's exactly right. It doesn't really matter what industry you're in. The common thread is people. You've got to be able to get along with people. You've got to be able to communicate with people, right? There's that, if that is not happening, that is the foundation. Everything else is going to crumble. I mean, that's, that's it. And that's how I, you know, Parker, and you don't know this because we haven't talked a ton yet, but that's how I make money too, is I work with organizations, right? And it doesn't matter that the 300 or so clients that I have, some are, you know, there's Wendy's and then you got Lockheed Martin, right? And then you got American Eagle and then you got Purina, 
right? They're making pet food. And then you got Bank of America and Honda and Netflix and Amazon. Those are all wildly different industries, but the common thread there is people. And so that's what we're going in is figuring out how to get people to, to work together with people. And from a, this is just a selfish note I'll share with all of you. If you're trying to have higher earning potential and earning potential, essentially how much money can you make? Mm -hmm. If you're working within an organization and you have the capability to manage a team or network with a team or communicate effectively with a team, you probably have higher earning potential than someone who's an individual contributor who cannot manage or network with a team, probably. Because now what we could do is as a company, we could scale your communication skills and management skills across a network right. of people and the company can see a higher return on their investment so they could pay you more. That's right. Beautiful. Yep. Beautifully put. Gentlemen, you got, uh, we got about 13 minutes left. So we're going to honor Mr. Kalipa's time. So just keep that in mind. Aiden, my man out there in Pennsylvania, go Steelers, dude. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so I, I got two questions for you, Mr. Jason. Uh, one of them is a little more localized and the other is a little bit more nuanced. Uh, the first one that I had is I, I wanted to get an insight into how you would market uh, a gym or a business, right, in an overcrowded market uh, on a shoestring of a budget. So, On a shoestring of a budget. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in one member, one handshake, one experience at a time. I'm a big advocate of that. So at our business, we charge about $220 a month. So for us to be profitable, our locations, let's just say, need to have 500 members per location. As an example, 600, 500. We're in an area, let's just say in Pittsburgh, where you have millions of people. So you only need 500 to maybe at the most 1,000, at the most, most, most. And so what you could do is you start with one person, one handshake, one engagement at a time. And then from there, you have them bring their friends in and it snowballs into this beautiful, beautiful impact. But when I was first starting out, I would use any opportunity I could for grassroots guerrilla marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, nowadays you talk about Instagram ads, Facebook ads, a lot of that stuff is pretty expensive, actually. Mm -hmm. It's gotten a lot more expensive. And when it comes to your brand and fitness in particular, you want to make a personal connection. That's why people want to come in. And so I would go to local Starbucks, I go to local stores. I'll go drop off flyers for a one week trial. I would go meet people and, and shake their hand and say, hey, you know, uh, my name's Aiden. I want you to come in. I'm gonna go ahead and give you a free, just a free, free lesson, you know, free training session with me, no strings attached. I just want to introduce you to our solid training. Would love to meet you. What time is better for you? Today at seven or tomorrow at seven, right? And you'd be amazed, man. You'd be amazed. Once you get past a critical mass of like a hundred people, it just catapults. Yep. Because now you can start doing things like BOGO deals, yep. which are um, buy one, get one. And so what you could say is like, hey, guys, you know, if you want to go ahead and purchase a BOGO deal, if you buy, let's just say, a five-session pack, I'll give you a five-session pack for a friend, okay? And so now you didn't just sign up one person. You signed up two because you're signing them up and they're bringing their friend in for five sessions as well. So those are, those are little ideas you could do. And, and, um, but again, that's the whole idea. Nowadays, this whole digital idea Sure, digital is great, but there's something to be said about walking up to someone, yep. shaking their hand, one engagement, one eye connection at a time, and you'd be amazed at what you could do. Agreed. Bingo. Bingo. I think Aiden had a second no, uh, question. That, yeah. That that's fantastic. That's that's uh that, that really is that's kind of what I was thinking, but that just uh that affirms it more. Um my second question there is uh what's the meaning of life to you? 
meaning of life. Oh uh, gosh, you guys that, deep. that is a so now that just so you know, that is Aiden's go to. We would all be actually very upset if Aiden did not ask that question. We would all be very upset. So that's that's a good thing. Oh man. <laughs> well, you're putting me on the spot. So I would say um reaching my potential and helping others reach theirs mm. is you know, I'm a big believer in every night before I go to bed, just saying to myself, Hey, um, you know, how did I do today? Right. Yep. How, 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 am I reaching my potential? You know, back to the whole like ABCD thing. When you guys are in school, if you get C's get degrees, right. And I used to live by that motto C's get degrees. I would just do enough to barely pass. Right. Then all of a sudden you got out of school and it's not good enough just to get C's right. You're either reaching your potential or you're not. And that's up to you. And so I would say, Hey, I want to reach my potential because C's in life don't get degrees. They don't get you, sh- you know, much. Yep. And then secondly is how many ropes can I throw down? Right. Uh, you know, life has this weird way of helping people kind of elevate. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I think you have a duty to throw down ropes and people need to climb them. They need to put in the work, but you need to allow others to create opportunities. And when you try and suffocate others and not create opportunities for other people, um, people pick up on it and it's really unfortunate. So I would say, you know, try and reach your potential and help others reach theirs and give them opportunities. That's right. I love that, man. Yeah, that's great. Hey, hey Aiden, give them a, a super quick uh, 30 seconds of why you asked about the marketing thing. Tell them what you're working on too over there. Uh, no problem. So today I have a meeting uh, at a gym that I orchestrated a merger with. Uh, long story short, um, before this, uh, the plague, I used to go to a gym that's about uh, 15 minutes away from my house. I personally know the owner. He's a trust fund kid, and I'm not exactly a big fan of him. So I was like, you know, uh, I want to run you out of business. Uh, I don't want to see you have this, and I, I want to ruin your livelihood. So I left the gym. Uh, I went to another gym that's about 30 minutes away from me, and I orchestrated a merger between the management at the gym I used to go to and the gym I'm at right now. So I took the management out from underneath his feet, and I'm meeting with all of them today, and we're putting together a marketing strategy, and then we're going from there. So... I knew about the business part. I didn't know about the dark history there, Aiden. That uh, was uh, that was that that part was that part was news to me. Yeah, Aiden. I mean, just as a as a guy who's gone through a shitload of business in many different countries, what I'll share with you is this, right? And this is just high level, right? Is the more emphasis you put on anybody else, the less you're going to get out of your own potential. Bingo. So I would worry less about who this guy is if he's a trust fund baby or not. Who cares, right? Just be about you, right? And there's this thing that I try and live by, and it's a, you know, just be about some shit, right? But your own stuff. Don't worry about them because here's the thing, man. And I know that you're going to say, hey, I'm not caught up in it. And I get it. But if you ever think about this person, even for one instant of one day, they're occupying your brain. And what only should be occupying your brain right now is how can you take your team and go do some amazing stuff? So I'm just letting you know. It's going to be easier said than done. But that's just an advice I'd give you because I've been there before and it's not a nice place to be long-term. No, I, I, 100%. That's just correlated to my, uh, my all-or-nothing personality and the fact that he's, uh, he's demonstrably incompetent. So uh, but, but yeah, that, that, that's all that is. Yeah, but, yeah. but I, know you get the, I know you get the gist though too is you know, don't, 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 let yes, that, don't let that take any – because it's either pulling you – know, it's kind of that whole wave that he was talking about earlier is that, that momentum, right? And when you get into the – to, to the headspace where you are the only one driving the car and you're not worried about 
um, having to run away from this one or chase this one down and you're just like, no man, I'm going on a drive and I'm gonna drive the best possible route that I can drive, right? And nobody else has any say over that. Uh, it's a, it is, it's just a better place to be. And it's a more efficient place to be. Um, it's a more fun place to be too, man. And, you know, it just is. So yeah, in the yeah. fitness business, yep. uh, Aiden, know your, know your numbers to grow your numbers, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for this management team. Mm -hmm. Weekly, monthly, every single week, every single month. How many leads do we get? How many people do we get in the door? What was our conversion rate? What is our, uh, you know, a new EFT electronic funds transfer? What are our monthly reoccurring revenue models looking like? How many paid in fulls do we get? Mm -hmm. Are we gonna use class packs or are we gonna do uh, different models? Like there's so much we could dive into, mm -hmm. but if you don't know your numbers, you can't grow your numbers. You need to create what the baseline is and then create a strategy to get wins for the team, right? And all you need is just base hits, that's it. Mm -hmm. And a base hit could be that you run a BOGO deal for all your members or a base hit could be, hey, every member in this gym, we're gonna send them a gift card and that gift card's gonna be a free 30 days for anybody they know. So let's just say you do a holiday special for the 4th of July. Hey, it's 4th of July, it's summertime, everybody wants to pack abs. Here's gonna be a gift card and we're gonna give you this gift card as a member of our gym, as a token of our appreciation. Go out and give it to any friend. That's a great thing to do during the holiday time for maybe you have a Christmas gift for somebody and maybe you don't like them that much but you just want like a free gift. And so the gym can give you a gift card where it looks like you might've paid for it, who knows, but then all of a sudden you get referral after referral after referral. So awesome. I could talk about that all Awesome, yeah. man. Awesome. <laughs> nope. Love that. All right. Jacob, man, you may be the last. we got five minutes left, guys. So Jacob, man, want to make sure we're honoring time. You are up in Jersey, sir. All right. So before you talked about going through school and being passed from grade to grade until you get to college. So what is your opinion on college? Hmm. Oh, Jacob. Oh, <laughs> we're, we're open and honest here, Jay. Throw it out there, man. Whatever. <laughs> Ah, that's, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. So for the record, I did two years at a community college, which cost me about 10, uh, maybe $3,000 all in for the two years. And then I went to a, a four year traditional college that normally would have cost me 50,000 a year, but because my mom worked there, I got it for free. Mm -hmm. So I just want to caveat mm -hmm. all this by saying my education was either paid for or free and I have no debt yep. with my children. Um, we have what's called a 529 for them, which means it's basically a, a, a fund that you could create that you could get. Um, it's, it's basically a college fund, right? And you could accrue um, the investment without having any taxable um, component when you pull it out as long as it's school related. That's called a 529 plan. Now, I think that if my kids decided to go a non-traditional way of education, I'd be more than fine with that. But I think that education is key. So when I was growing up, my dad came from Iran he came during the revolution. My dad came with very little to the United States. And he would always tell me that education is the one thing that no one could ever take away from you, mm -hmm. right? So that could be civil war, that could be whatever, right? Education. But the way he thought about education back in the day in Iran was always about school, 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 school. The way I think about education could be even something like this, mm -hmm. right? Where you can learn from others, you can educate yourself. YouTube has so much education as of lately, I've gotten really interested in cryptocurrency. Yeah. I'm not going to school for cryptocurrency. I'm going deep into the YouTubes and identifying subject material experts that I could start learning from. And so I would say as long as my kids show an interest in learning and developing, and there's some type of path for that, I'd be open to other ideas than just traditional college. So I think that system is a little outdated with all the new information that's coming out now. 
Beautifully put, sir. Beautifully put. You know, and that's and again, I come out of the game too. I was at Stanford for for a long time and and learning the game there far before going into public school as a as a teacher and administrator and private school as a teacher and administrator. So seeing the education game inside and out, and you know, and I got graduate degrees and stuff too. But it's not. It's it's there is a difference between education and schooling, and I think that's that's a, a key differentiator. Well well put, Aiden. You've got the last one, sir. Um, I want your opinion on trading school. Trade schools. Yeah, Aiden, I think, I think trade schools can be excellent if you want to get into that trade. So if you want to be a welder, um, I think that trades have been overlooked because mm -hmm. especially in the Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. you have all these people talking about software engineers and, and whatnot. But hey, man, there's got to be carpenters. There has to be uh, plumbers. There has to be electricians. And if there isn't that, that's going to be difficult. And right now, they're actually on a very high demand mm. because of the um, cost of materials, cost of labor. And so I would say at trade schools, uh, whether it be a software engineer or otherwise, whatnot, is, um, is a great as long as you're excited about whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, if you're excited about, you know, the trade of, you know, if you're someone who really loves this idea of like building something, if you get a lot of personal fulfillment from building something or completing a task like that, then trades can be really, really well um, received for you. So I think they're great, but they're just not for me. Um, yeah. I, my brain works a little bit more entrepreneurial, sales focused, and less like, you know, the tools in the toolbox, but not everybody's like that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I did an event with um, uh, Mike Rowe a couple of years ago, Aiden, that was, uh, we were out in Ohio. And one of the things that I learned in that organization was that, there are actually, we have hit this tipping point in our country where there are more six figure, and this was probably 2000, this is probably 2018 or 2019. So, but I'm assuming it's probably relatively the same. There are more six figure positions available in our country right now that did not require a college degree than those that did. And it was precisely because trades have been so overlooked. And we were speaking to, you know, Ohio Department of Transportation and, and they had so many of these positions and they just had no way to fill it. You know, they had nobody, they had nobody that was going down that route, you know, and that's, that's the reality of it. So paying attention to those kind of things is, is big. And like Jason was saying, man, if that's something that is kind of your unique, you know, your unique value prop and something that gets you excited, go get it, man. That's rad. Jay, dude, you are, you are uh, an amazing human, man. How can we support you? Where do we go to support you? Where would you have people go to learn more about what you got going on? Like, what can we do for you, sir? I, 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 nothing. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't, I just, I just love talking to you guys. I think it's great. I think you guys are in the beginning of something or in the mm. middle or whatnot, something really special. The idea of entrepreneurship should be sparked for everybody mm. and taking ownership. So, um, I mean, Matt, you and I, we can connect offline with a couple of ideas I have for, maybe sure. for some fitness for the kids or, or, um, you know, some other stuff. Yeah, but for sure. As far as I'm concerned, if you want to do me a favor, just go out there and put in the work. That's I love it. it, man. Man after my own heart, man. That's a, that is a big deal. Yeah, let's definitely, um, we'll definitely connect. I want to send you a little something too, just for for coming on and, and uh, pouring into these young guys. And then we've got uh, TEDx Roseville uh, coming up here too that we're launching here in this campus. We got some rad speakers that are coming in. We're gonna do a um, a cool dinner the day before and stuff too. So if you are in the area um, and want to head down to Roseville, man, be my to be my guest for the event, man. I'd love to have you down too. So just just throwing that out there. So we'll connect offline. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for taking the time and uh, for, for, you know, for being present on this quote presentation. That's thank awesome, man. It's a big deal. You guys give a big thank you, man, to Mr. Kalipa. Thank you, sir.
Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Coming in. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you, man. I'll connect with you. I'm going to run these guys through some Socratic conversations here for the next couple hours, and I'll connect with you. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Thank you. sir. There you go, man. Head over to ncfit.com. See everything that they are doing over there. That team is amazing. Uh, you can also find Jason on Instagram, at Jason Kalipa. Uh, and you're going to want to check out everything this guy is doing, man. As you can tell, rad human being. So thank you guys again for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time on The Essential 11.